Welcome to the basketball party. It's the season opener. Let's go. This is Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Timberwolves talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota basketball party on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are so glad this day has arrived. The Timberwolves season opener. Welcome into the Minnesota basketball party on Locked On Sports Minnesota. I'm Sam Ekstrom, joined as always by Carol Evans Sports Director and Anchor Reggie Wilson. We've got Jack Borman, Managing Editor and Writer at Candace Hoopus. We've got Ben Beacon, Locked On Wolves daily host. His long off-season abyss is finally over. There are real regular season games to talk about starting tonight as the Timberwolves visit Toronto. We, of course, will give that game plenty of attention, but we've also got a pretty significant contract extension to talk about with Jaden McDaniels that if you listen to last week's show, these guys told me, and I was skeptical, they said this might, this could very well get done before the season, and it did five years, 136 million. We're also going to peek ahead to the home opener Saturday as Jimmy Butler comes to town with Miami Heat, and we'll make our final win predictions for the year. Ron Johnson will join the show in progress. All right. I, I do have an exercise I want to do here with, with this Jaden thing, and I need you guys to help me with it. But let's toss it to Reggie Wilson first. Jaden McDaniel signs another big contract now on the Wolves books. Your reaction. So I like the deal. I think that it came in at a good number as well. The 5-136, you look at what Devin Vassell got from the Spurs. And you you kind of see how Jaden's production is a little bit more than than what they got from Vassal. I mean the the points per game is is different, but I think Vassal shot something like thirty nine percent from three, and Jaden went forty. So I just think this is a an ascending player. He's still only what twenty three years old. Like this is a guy that you can continue to build a future with with him and Ant. He got snubbed from uh, all defensive uh, roster, but I think he's a guy who's a lockdown defender and someone who can continue to like legitimately be a three and D guy on the Timberwolves, a guy that can knock down that three and then lock up the best player on the, the opposing team as well. They got him at a good number. That luxury tax bill is, is, is pretty hefty baby, but um, <laughs> I guess that's a, that's a conversation for another year next year. Um, but I, I thought that that yeah. was smart. Shout out to Jack. He called it last week on the show saying that he felt like it was going to get done. And it did. And and I think all parties are, are happy about it. Jack, why don't you take a victory lap for us? <laughs> I can't I can't do that. But um, no, I, I agree completely with Reggie. I think it was a good number. Um, it was one million dollar more, I believe, than what Vassell got. Obviously, uh, there, there was more, um, you know, uh, you know, unlikely bonuses and, and non-guaranteed money in that Vassell deal than Jaden's. Um, but, you know, I, I think, you know, Reggie bringing up the, the luxury tax point is, is a real thing there. Um, you know, the Timberwolves are, are certainly going to be paying the luxury tax next year. It'll be a, a really significant number uh, if they bring back uh, their, their core four guys um, plus Nasri. So you, you want really want to make that core five guys there. Um, you know, if they, if they let Conley and Anderson walk and they bring back Josh Minot and the three guys they have on team options for next year, 
you'd be about $4 million below that second apron. And you're looking at a, at a luxury tax payment already of you know, at least $25 million. Um, and so that's a really sizable commitment for, for a new ownership group coming in um, with, you know, next season being their first full season as, as majority partners there. Um, but again, I think it's a really good number. I was expecting something closer uh five to to one five for 160 was something that that i was kind of expecting i thought it would be north of 30 million a year um the timberwolves got it got it done for for significantly less than that so i said last week that the only thing keeping um you know tim tim Connolly from getting an a in his offseason grade was was the jane mcdaniels extension and and i certainly would would bump that up to an a now yeah he extends nas he uh gets nas reed back he's got a couple key pieces of this core ben beacon your thoughts yeah, uh, last, I think it was Friday, Zach Lowe said in the Low Post podcast at ESPN that he thought that McDaniels would get about that $30 million a year. And I think it was Bobby Marks, the former uh, Brooklyn and New Jersey exec, said he thought it would be, he thought the Wolves would probably get it closer to 26, 27. And that's exactly what happened if you look at those unlikely incentives. Um, like everybody said so far, it's, it's a good number for a guy who almost certainly if he stays healthy, he's going to get all defensive votes this year, probably will make an all defensive team. The wolves are obviously paying for that. Um, these deals tend to, you know, these rookie extensions tend to pay for themselves for players who are ascending, right? Cause the deal is going to end right when he enters his prime years. And so um, it, it's, it's good value for the wolves. I know like for people that don't follow the contract stuff closely, it could be sticker shock, but this is, if you factor in um, basically the changing cap and, and essentially the inflation of NBA contracts over the last few years, this is right in line with like, uh, the, the bridges extension, of course, who really kind of broke out further once he went to Brooklyn last year. Um, so everything about this deal is, is, is good for the wolves. It's good for Jaden McDaniels to get the security and to Jack's point about the cap. I mean, yeah, like that's going to be a real question mark next summer. And I think this just further underscores, um, if, if this team gets off to a poor start, what does that trade deadline look like? If this team, you know, disappoints in the second half of the season, what does next summer look like? Or if things are great and they, you know, are a top four seed, get home court advantage in the playoffs, they win in the first round. Um, maybe there is a tax bill to be paid next year and the Wolves just figure out a way to make it work for another year and kick the can again if the new ownership group is willing to do that. So um, there's there's a lot of additional questions that come with this, but there's there's no doubt the Wolves had to get this done and they ended up at a, at a good number. And we go to Ron Johnson, who joins us. He's at 3 Ron Johnson, host of the Ron Johnson Show. Jaden McDaniels extension, Ron. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it was something that had to get done. We talked about how integral he is to this team, how important he is to this team, um, how his absence during the playoffs, uh, we could you noticed it. Um, at first, not going to lie, when I see a number that big for a guy like that, I always question it. But uh, again, I'm a football guy, so in my mind, $100 million guys are your stars. And so, but then when I started to break down like these average salaries, you look at Julius Randle, DeMar DeRozan, uh, Tyler Hero, so on and so forth, Jalen Brunson, he's kind of in line with those type of guys. And, and so that's why I think that number fits. Brooke Lopez, Mike Conley, um, you know, even Andrew Wiggins at $24 million, like he fits. And so I, I get, I think you brought up inflation. I think you hit the nail on the head. This is what the inflation of, of the NBA looks like. Um, I think these owners and the, and the players, you know, associations are going to come back at some point and say, we need to take our salary cap up because, you know, more guys are wanting more money. These owners are billionaires, like a guy like Mark Cuban. I, I think he's going to be one all in favor for being able to buy a team like the New York Yankees do. And so, you know, again, when I first see the numbers, like, I don't see it, but Again, when you look at the comps and and the guys in his kind of realm of yearly salary, 
it fits. And so, and, and again, he's young. He hasn't really come into his own just yet. I think, I think there's more like his ceiling hasn't been even touched. Um, and when you hear Tim Conley talk about him as a defender, as a, as a spark plug, um, he's what this team needs. So I'm, I'm all for it. And I agree. I think you do bump. I mean, I think I was at a B minus, I'm not going to go to an A, but I, I would say I take his grade up to a B plus now. All right, I'm going to do something here. This is mostly for the YouTube people, but um, I will narrate as best I can. I'm sharing the Track Wolves multi-year salary chart right here, okay? Now, let me zoom it in so that everybody can see the numbers. I'm going to scroll down. I need someone to tell me what all of it means. So right now I'm looking at total cap allocations for next year, $274 million. I don't know... If that's like drawn out over multiple years, that seems that seems wrong to me. I'm looking at tax taxable salaries, 185 million dollars, um, and the tax threshold is 172. So just just so we're clear, 13 million over the the tax. Is that correct? Is that the number that matters most, to you guys? Yes. I, I, the yeah. short answer is yes. The 274 includes all the holds for potential extensions and um, things of that nature for you know, like uh, pending qualifying offers and things like that. But being over by 13 million sitting here right now, that that number is basically accurate. And going so that would be the one year that we're circling where they're over the tax. Um, but again, you've got the town's contract escalating. You see it here going from 49, 53, 57. And that's again, that's NBA inflation. Go bear 43 next year, 46, the following year, Anthony Edwards, 35, 38, 41. So these are big numbers. And is there any concern at all as I'll, I'll stop sharing that and get back to the screen. Um, is there any concern at all that the wolves are going to be too limited in their mo like? financial mobility moving forward with their roster mobility moving forward? Or do you think that if necessary, they just shed one of these assets, they trade one of the assets and then they get kind of back on their feet. Ben, what do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, certainly they're somewhat limited because so much of the money is tied up into basically four guys at this point. However, they're all on some level tradable. You're not obviously going to trade Anthony Edwards. You're obviously not trading Jaden McDaniels, which means it's Rudy or Carl Anthony Towns that have to get traded. Both will likely, if the Wolves are in a situation where they feel like they need to trade someone, they're not going to have a whole lot of leverage here. And also, just based on Towns, I mean, one of the one of the many reasons I think why Towns wasn't traded this summer was because you'd be selling low, right? Now, obviously, his supermax kicks in next year, so he's going to be getting over fifty million uh, by twenty twenty five a year. But he's still tradable. It's just, can you get enough back for him if you decide to trade him? So their moves are going to be limited to what Jack said earlier, which is letting guys walk. They've got a bunch of um, like the Shake Milton deal. And I think the Troy Brown deal are both non-guaranteed for next year. So like if they move some other pieces, they could bring them back or they let them walk. You could let Mike Conley walk. You could also trade Nas Reed. He's your next biggest contract. Kyle Anderson comes off the book. So there is limited um you know, stuff that can be done, but they've got a couple different directions where they can go. If they decide to quote unquote, blow it up by trading cat, they could, or you could trade Nas, you know, uh, bring back a Josh Minot, you know, stuff like that and make them rotation guys. Um, so there are different options. Um, and clearly that's what a front office has to do. They have to give themselves multiple outs depending on how the season plays out. Obviously last year didn't play out how they expected. So, um, yeah, I mean, just because, so much of it is tied up in four guys. They're a little bit limited, but again, none of those are like albatrosses that you would say you could never trade this. Now, Gobert may be difficult to trade, but I think theoretically it could be tradable if they needed it to be. 
And the other yeah, thing too, just to to jump in there real quick is mm-hmm. is none of this really becomes a problem until the 25-26 season. In that, you know, n- next season all all you're really dealing with is just, you know, luxury tax payments. So you don't have to deal with any of the team building implications that come about if you're if you're over that second apron which is 17.5 million dollars beyond the luxury tax and and projected right now for next year if they don't, you know, change anything they have in their current roster, um, let Conley and Anderson walk. Um, you'd, you'd have about $4 million to play under that second apron. But once you get over that second apron, you lose access to, to some of these, um, you know, exceptions and, and the way that you have to trade players is a little bit different. So that's, there's there's different things that come into play there. But again, that wouldn't be a problem from two years to now. And the biggest thing, like Ben said, is is this first like 30 games this season is going to matter a ton in that, you know, if the Timberwolves can prove that this core can win, um, I think it's going to be a lot easier to justify that payment and just say, let's, you know, let's have that problem tomorrow or, or two days from now rather than than today. Yeah. Someday I'll understand what an apron is. Today's maybe not that day, but Reggie Wilson now, like now that the Wolves core really is complete. You've got Cat, you've got Ant, you've got Jaden, and you've got Rudy. And you've got, and in theory, you could have those guys together for the next three years if you didn't make any moves. So is this a patience play? A lot of teams are very impatient in the NBA, and it's hard to keep stars together because they get impatient too. But if you just let this thing kind of sit in the the slow cooker for a couple of years, could that core turn into something special? Yeah, I think so. It's interesting too. Um, I was watching the uh, Warriors play the Suns last night, and you know, Conley comes off the books after this year, and they've kind of they've kind of just allowed Devin Booker and Phoenix to be like the the point guard de facto de, de facto point guard. And so uh I think it would be interesting to see what the Wolves do maybe doing something similar with Ant uh after Conley comes off the books just because they are going to be so limited financially. So I'm I'm interested to see how that looks, but also Connolly came in and made this big splash trade for Rudy. And I feel like unless Rudy just goes out there and just balls out and becomes a lot more tradable in the offseason, I feel like he kind of has to stick with it because he came in and just like put his fork in the sand. And so I think that's something that that when you talk about patience, I do think that that's something that may work out work out for for Connolly. And I feel like that's that's the approach he kind of has to take because of the move that he made when he took over. So I'm 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 not really sure how it's gonna go. You know, he's he's he said like, hey, I think Cat is gonna be one of those guys that you know will hang from the rafters one day. So, like to go against that and trade him would I mean not saying the GMs haven't done things like that before, but you know to to come out and say that as soon as you get here. And then also trade for Rudy and do these contract extensions with a, with a lot of these key guys. I do think that patience would would kind of help. But as Jack said, like these first thirty games, they got to see what this actually looks like with them all together, and if they can kind of invest in making something like that work. Because if not, then that kind of makes it a little easier when when it comes to next off season on okay, what moves do we have to make to make sure we're not paying too much into this luxury tax and second apron and all that stuff that comes into play. And, and Ron put a bow on this for us looking at this core four. Now that they mm-hmm. have, 
Is it a title winning core? And if not, what needs to change in that core for them to get to that point? I mean, honestly, so if you watch, I don't know who watched the Lakers game last night, but if you watch the Nuggets, like LeBron, Anthony uh, Davis, and D'Lo, you would assume in Austin Reeves, you're like, oh man, on paper, that's that's a champion. But then you look at the Nuggets and you've got like Aaron Gordon, you got uh, Murray, and then you got, uh, what's his name, Jokic. Like on paper, the Nuggets to me don't, it doesn't feel like a champion, it doesn't feel like a dominant team, but somehow, some way, they make that offense work. And if you watch Jokic, like, He's just dominant. Like Anthony Edwards or Anthony Edwards. Anthony Davis is seven feet. And Jokic kind of just still little brothers him. Like he just, he gets in the middle and he's just strong and big. And so that's why I feel like at some point, Rudy Gobert or Carl Anthony Towns, on paper, I think that core four can work because it, it, it's not about what we assume should be a star group. It's about who plays well together. And that's why mm-hmm. basketball is such a fun sport. It's who plays well together. Like football it's who's going to be the dominant team. It's all four phases. You never, but in basketball, it's like what three or four guys can really just play together well. And then what bench can come in and just sustain, you don't have to come in and kill it, just sustain whatever your starters are doing. And that's where the Lakers are lacking. Their bench doesn't do anything right now Uh, where the nuggets bench comes in with, with energy. They're excited to be on the court. They're happy to be out there and willing to come back in whenever they're needed. Um, And I think that's where the Timberwolves have to get. What can this core four do? And then what can this bench come off? and help out with and same with baseball or softball it's about the pitchers like if you have a dominant pitcher you can get through a lot of these games with like one or two bats basketball you can't get through a game with one shooter or two shooters and that's where the lakers are lebron and ad are going to be who they are but then the rest of those guys aren't really showing and it's one game so let me not overreact but they're not really showing that they they want to be out there um with the with the core four of the of the wolves Honestly, believe it's how they play together. And that's why, again, I'm never going to agree with what Carl Anthony Towns said, but I do understand what he's saying of like they only had a couple months to kind of jail and try to become a team, whereas the Nuggets have been working on this core for four to five years. And so maybe in year two, we see him understand Gobert a little bit more. Hey, this is what he needs. This is the amount of space he needs. And then maybe Gobert can figure out too, okay, when Carl Anthony Towns gets the ball, let me find a spot. Let me find my spot where I know he's going to find me. Same with Anthony Edwards. When he drives, this is where we need to be. And so I think that's going to be the key. Um, but if it doesn't look well early on, I'm concerned because I know a lifetime fitness, I can figure out guys in about four games uh, where these guys have been together for over a year now. So hopefully they can figure it out. All right. Plenty to get to with Wolves Raptors as the Wolves go across the border for the season opener. But first, a word from Prize Picks. Prize Picks is awesome. They're the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. Easiest and most exciting way to play DFS is just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other people, including pros and sharks who've got a million entries, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. You can go across sport. You can use a couple different players in the same game or different games. Like you could go Justin Jefferson, less than 100 yards, and Lamar Jackson, more than one passing touchdown. Boom, right there. Prize picks is really simple to play. I make my picks. I submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. Withdrawals are quick. The gameplay is easy. And there's an enormous selection of players and stat types that you can use with Prize Picks, the number one daily fantasy sports app. And with the Prize Picks reboot policy, your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. That is really, 
really nice, especially if you're betting the NFL where guys are getting hurt all the time. Go to prizepicks.com slash NBA and use code LOCKEDONNBA, one word, for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash NBA. promo code NBA. first deposit match up to $100 with prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, guys, Wolves, Raptors tonight. Let's swing it around to Jack Borman. Um, this is what I have on the Raptors, and you can tell me more. They fired their coach. Nick Nurse got his title, and then they were done with him when he lost Kawhi, apparently. He wasn't quite as good of a coach, but they've got – this is foreboding to me, Jack. Their coach is named Darko. I mean, that just that just gives me shivers. Darko Rahakovich um, is their new head coach. What else do we need to know about, know about the Raptors? Yeah, the Raptors are a team with a, with a bunch of really big ball-handling wings. They have Dennis Schroeder now as their starting point guard. Fred Van Vliet is now with the Rockets. Uh, Van Vliet had, had been uh, with the Raptors. His whole career was part of that team that won the title. Um, and, and now Dennis Schroeder is in there. Um, and flanking him, you got three guys that are 6'7 or 6'9 or, or in Siakam's case. Um, and then and then a big burly center in, in Jakob Pertl. Um, and so... What'll be really interesting for me, what I'm watching for is how the Wolves are going to match up here with, with Jaden McDaniels out. Um, you know, Nikhil Alexander Walker is a guy that started in Jaden's place on the playoffs last year um, and in the preseason. Um, and, and he could feasibly be a guy that you plug in and, and guard guard a, a wiry six, seven guy like Scotty Barnes. But, but given how big the wings are, it may make sense that, uh, that Kyle Anderson uh, starts in his place there um, as, as a guy who's six eight six nine might be able to help there. But another thing I'm watching is is who Carl Anthony Towns is going to guard. Um, you know that the, the Wolves found a lot of success with Carl guarding Jokic in the playoffs last year and putting Carl on more physical and, and bigger fives rather than than fours. Um, and, and they had success with Gobert guarding you know fours that couldn't really shoot quite as well. Um, and that's the case here with with Toronto and that. Um, both Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam aren't necessarily the greatest three-point shooters. Um, and so Gobert could could feasibly guard one of those guys if you wanted to put Cat on, on Jakob Pertl. So I think how the defense lines up, whether it's in a zone or, or some type of uh, some variation of, of man defense, um, is going to be interesting to watch because Toronto was uh, third to last in, in three-point shooting last year. So it's a team that really wants to get inside. Um, but if the Wolves can, can keep them on the perimeter and, and force them to, to take a lot of jump shots, it should bode well for uh, for Wolves team looking to, to get off to a much better start than they did last year. Yeah, and, and Ron, it's like you talked about where you need a team that plays well together. Well, mm-hmm. when Toronto was winning a title, like they, they had a bunch of depth guys that just played well together and they were all bought in. And you look at this roster and there's not a lot of stars. I mean, Siakam's the most highly paid guy, maybe the most recognizable guy, but it's it's a lot of role players that are pesky, can shoot, they work hard. They're not they're not in the top 50 in the NBA, but mm-hmm. um they do have a little bit of depth and a little bit of grit to them. Nonetheless, Ron, their win total projections 36 and a half. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a game that you should win with the star power that you have if you're the Timberwolves. Yeah, I mean, so as far as the the, the Raptors go, you got Siakam yeah. who returns, who's their leading scorer. You do, like you said, you do lose, lose Fred, Fred Van Vliet. And what uh, Van Vliet did, and I've, I've watched a couple of their games, he was energy. He was exciting. He actually became a guy that, like, nobody expected to be a star. He was just supposed to be a role player. All of a sudden, he explodes on the scene. 
And again, it becomes confidence. The basket started looking like the ocean to him. Um, that's what they're going to have to find. Gary Trent Jr., we know he's not his dad. He's not a, a, an aggressive fight everybody person. He's more of a pretty boy. Um, but he's going to come off the bench and be instant offense for them, instant like energy for them. But he's not a he's not a guy that's going to like intimidate an Anthony Edwards or come in and intimidate uh, a, a Jade McDaniels. Like he's just a guy on the team that plays really well, has earned his role into the in, into the NBA, uh, a true six man type of guy. But yeah, you're right. There's when I look at this Raptors team from 2022, 23 to now, um, it, it's nothing that scares you. But again, Scotty Barnes, solid, solid small forward. He's he's going to play. You know, he's going to stay on the court with multiple groups. You see him with the ones and the twos. Um, and, and same with, uh, Siakam, like he's going to take his rest here and there for the Timberwolves. Honestly, I just feel like they need to really lean on their stars and play well together. Anthony Edwards, Carlton Towns, and Rudy Gobert. I don't know how they coexist, but they got to figure it out. Like they're, they're not the Rockets. They're not the Spurs when they had their guys, but they got to figure out what their big three looks like. Jay McDaniel, I would just say is going to be the role player within that group. Um, as well as Mike Conley, but those big three, how how do they play together? I don't know if they need to go back to the old triangle offense uh, with, with um, the Lakers and the Bulls, but they got to figure it out because the Lakers got it done with Kobe and two bigs. The Bulls got it done with Jordan, Scotty and a big. Like, you got to figure it out. How do you guys work together? Who's going to be 1A? Who's going to be 1B? And then who's going to pick up the slack? And then every night is going to change. Carlin Towns might be the guy. If he's hot, let it go. And that's what I hope, too, they learn. If, if it's your night, keep going. Don't think because it's Anthony Edwards' night, I need to then force the ball and do some Carl Anthony Towns crap and try to bowl through five people, fall on the ground, and cry for a foul. Let Anthony Edwards cook. And same vice versa. If Carl Anthony Towns got it going, he's hitting threes, he's driving the lane, he's playing consistent basketball all night, keep feeding him. Let it be his night. And I think that's going to be the big difference. When you see the Warriors, they don't care who's the star. They let that star go, even when it was Jordan Poole. That's where the Timberwolves, I feel like sometimes, and maybe it was D'Lo, they would shoot themselves in the foot trying to become a star of the night where it's not their night. And that's what they need to learn. Reggie Wilson, your thoughts on the Raptors? Um, So I'll be brief, but I feel like, and maybe this is just giving too much credit, but I feel like with the star power that the Wolves have, I feel like they should win this game by double digits tonight. I, I feel like they have the the better roster they have the better talent assembled and the raptors are just trying to figure it out post Kawhi, post van vliet post nurse now so i i feel like i feel like this is a team that they could take advantage of i think the the biggest thing and and to ron's point it's chemistry man like they've had some preseason games together they've been able to practice with each other um, for the majority of this uh, late summer, uh, early fall, if you will. So I, I feel like I, I just want to see how well they gel together. And, you know, if, if Ann is going off, like Ron said, like, keep feeding them. Like, let them go for 30. Let them go for 35. Like, I, I, I just kind of want to see them get get up on the, the Raptors and put their foot on the gas and don't let up. Wolves favored by one point in this game on FanDuel. Uh, ben? Raptors thoughts. Yeah, I was going to mention the Wolves are only favored by one, obviously partly because that's on the road. But the Raptors, I think, are better than a lot of people are giving them credit for. They're, I think, 36 and a half, we said, is their win total on FanDuel. They were actually one of my easy overs this year. I think they're going to be a 40-win team. 
Um, and it's because because of a little bit because of the depth, but also because I think we can assume Scotty Barnes, he had a little bit of a disappointing year last year. I think he's going to continue to improve. Um, they've got so much length. It's one of the few teams that um, actually rivals the Wolves in, front, in terms of their overall length in their starting lineup and and not having McDaniels really hurts against a team like this because of Scotty Barnes, because of OG Ananobi, because of Pascal Siakam. Um, Gary Trent gets to move to the bench now because of Dennis Schroeder, and that's going to make their bench unit that much better. So I don't think this is a walk in the park for the Wolves. I still think they should win even without McDaniels. Um, and I think that line was updated after it was announced McDaniels was out. It was kind of trending that way anyway. Um, but uh, so I think that's that's not insignificant that he's not available. I still think the Wolves should win. Um, but to Jack's point, how are they going to defend the length of the Raptors? And also the Wolves, um, not that the Raptors are like world beaters in terms of rebounding the ball, but the Wolves have been one of the league's worst rebounding teams the last several years. And that's going to be really important in this game. Also not being sloppy with the ball against a team with that much length. And, uh, you yeah. know, it's it's hard to it's hard to not be sloppy in your first game of the regular season. But um, as much as possible, the Wolves need to be more efficient offensively, not turn the ball over. They also have had a terrible transition defense last couple of years, and you can't let them get out and run. Um, as Jack said, this is a poor shooting team. So don't give them any easy buckets in transition. And as the Wolves so often did last year, and it was one of their downfalls. I mean, the Wolves were such a great half-court defensive team last season, but a miserable transition defensive team. So um, again, I think a game the Wolves should win, can win and should win it, but it's not going to be maybe as easy as we thought right when the schedule came out. Yeah, here's my nerdy stat on the Raptors. Their opponents last year were minus 411 over the course of the season in turnover margin. They were number one in turnovers committed, in, as in the best in the league, and they were number two in turnovers forced. Um, so they're going to play aggressive defense, use that length, get in passing lanes, and they're also going to crash the offensive glass pretty hard. So it could be a pesky team. And again, no Jaden. We buried the lead there because of the, the contract extension, but he is out with the calf strain. So there won't be any Jaden McDaniels versus Jalen McDaniels matchups. His brother playing for Toronto as well. Uh, let, let's look ahead just a little bit to the home opener on Saturday because we won't have a show before then. And it's Jimmy Butler coming to town with the Eastern Conference champs. And I have a question about Butler that is interesting to me. And I don't know if anybody can bring to mind a villain figure that seems to grow in their, like the tension seems to grow every year between Wolves fans and Butler because he can't resist taking shots at Minnesota um, and usually when someone leaves and, you know, under bad terms, it fades over a couple of years. But I feel like with Butler, it hasn't at all. We're five years in the rearview mirror from his exit. And still, I think that people really don't like him here. And I don't think he likes Minnesota at all. It's a really odd case, Reggie, where, I mean, it, it's kind of, it's actually kind of fun because you just have this heel, right? It's like a, a cartoon villain who just comes back and, you know, digs the knife in a little bit more. But I'm excited for that Saturday game, man. I think that uh, that the Butler versus Wolves rivalry is, even though it's not in the same conference, it's still pretty fun. So, look, nobody will argue Jimmy Butler is a top, what, 15 player in the league right now. And he's awesome. I mean, we saw what he did in the playoffs this past year kind of willing that team to the finals. Like, we we see the greatness that is in Jimmy Butler. 
that being said, he's a weird dude, man. Like the whole like media day thing and <laughs> pressing his hair out and and going emo. Like I, I don't really know what the heck was going on. And then just unsolicited. I don't know, man. I feel like he may try to act like Minnesota doesn't mean anything to him, but like they kind of, it kind of seems like Minnesota still lives rent free in his mind because that was just an unsolicited shot at Minnesota on media day when he like purposefully omitted them from his like recollection of his playing career. And it was just like, really dude, really? And so I think that he's as soon as he touches the ball, on any given possession, the fans are going to boo him back to Miami, like all the way back. And so, and and I think to his credit, like he plays into that. He's like, look, I'm I'm gonna be the villain there. Like, I feel like it gives him energy or something. Like he's like Thanos or something. I don't know. But like that that's 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 just a weird thing. I just thought that was weird that when when he was on media day, he was like just snubbing Minnesota for no reason. Like he hasn't been in Minnesota for some years now and it still seems to be a thing. Yeah. So I've got a two-year-old and a three-year-old at home. And the literature about parenting is, is that when you have a really dramatic kid, who's like three and having a tantrum, they, they say things like go away. I don't like you leave me alone. But what they're really voicing is their greatest fear. They don't want to be left alone. So maybe Jimmy, who just loves the drama, isn't really comfortable unless he's uncomfortable. When he voices that, he doesn't want the Wolves to forget about him. He wants to be remembered by the Minnesota Timberwolves. How's that for a Jimmy Butler toddler comparison? Uh, ben Beacon, Wolves versus Butler, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, like to your point and to Reggie's point, I think he knew that the Wolves home opener was against him when he did that. Like, it's it, he needs that energy. It's you know, there's there's a great examples of this in every sport where, you know, the you know, like Aaron Rodgers is a good one in football, right? He needs to have that chip on his shoulder. He needs to feel like someone's out to get him. Um, that's that's kind of what this is, because frankly, like I I don't know, I don't have any profound dislike for Jimmy Butler. I mean, he was great in Minnesota until obviously the way he left. And the crazy thing is the way he left, the front office has changed over two times. His buddy Tibbs isn't here anymore. And for you know, everybody seems to think Andrew Wiggins was the player he had the biggest issue with versus Carl Anthony Towns. And you know, Butler and Cat have said that they're on good terms. And I can't imagine he hates Tibbs, who isn't in Minnesota anymore either. So the whole thing's really strange. It's really only Cat that's left in Minnesota. So it, it's it. He's one of the few players that seems to want to turn this into a him versus the city or him versus the fans, just because it gives him that fuel. Cause I don't know, like, I don't, I don't want to speak for all wolves fans, but I feel like for a little while there, it was whatever he's in the East. He missed a bunch of games that Miami played in Minnesota. You know, they only play one a year at target center. Mm -hmm. And I think he's only played like once at target center since he left. I think he missed the Sixers game. Um, so it's just kind of this weird, like, like, I don't know. I'd kind of, not forgotten about Jimmy Butler completely, but like, why is this even still a thing until he said this in media day? And so I think to your point, Sam, I, I think he is kind of circling this date as like, ah, oh, it's going to give me some fuel in game number two of the season, which otherwise a Saturday in October, you know, it's, it's whatever, but I think he's going to come out ready to play on Saturday and, and yeah, he's going to get booed, but he's going to, I'm sure have a good game. You know, what doesn't help is that there's an oral history about the infamous practice like every year, someone else retells the story 
about what went down and it gets new headlines and new fuel. And we have to remember how he just took it to the starting lineup uh, and Tibbs was just left with his jaw on the floor. Ron, what do you think about Butler? Well, so this is what I'll say. Um, we all know he was sad because he didn't get Dame Lillard. He was he was he was petitioning for Dame Lillard to come to Miami, and Lillard goes to uh, not only to the Bucks, but within his own Eastern Conference. So now he has to deal with with Lillard. Uh, where when he's with the Blazers, he didn't have to worry about it. Now he's got to go through Lillard and Antetokounmpo uh, in order to get there. So he was a little bit sad. He was showing his emotional side. Um, I get the whole like, but, but to make it like a whole day, like I get if he just posted on social media and said, Hey, I'm sad. Uh, the NBA screwed me over. Just like when the NBA said, Chris Paul shouldn't play with Kobe, blah, blah. And all this other stuff. And now they're letting Lillard go play with, uh, the Kupo. I, I don't get it, but whatever the NBA does what they want to do. Um, so that's one, two Butler. Like we know the whole Tibbs story and him, you know, him and Wiggins and all the drama they had here. So clearly he just really hates Minnesota. I don't know why. Um, Wiggins is not here anymore. We do know Cat, he said, was soft, like Kobe said, his team was charming. Uh, so he he calls Wiggins and 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 Cat soft, but I do think Wiggins was more soft than Cat. I think if Wiggins had been traded, um, and Butler, I think Butler and uh Carly Towns could have like I think they could have like dealt with each other and mm-hmm. been in the same aura, um, circle. Sorry, but it is what it is. Tibbs thought that he wanted to roll with Wiggins. Wiggins is truly a role player, as we see uh, now with his days in the NBA. Um, so that's the other thing. I think Butler is a villain that just likes being a villain. But when you watch him close out playoff games, you can't deny his greatness. Like he's he's, he's he hits threes at an unridiculous like a ridiculous clip when he's hot. Uh, but he's not a true. I wouldn't call him a three point shooter. But as far as a bucket getter. He puts it on the floor and can get a basket by himself from anywhere. He's not a super crossover, crazy James Harden guy. He's just a guy that uses his body, understands body position, and he has ridiculous balance when it comes to getting hit, making a shot, getting to the free throw line. So he's a villain that I I don't even know. I feel like the Batman thing, like you live long enough to be the villain or you die a hero. And he didn't want to die a hero. So he's just living in the NBA as a villain now. And he <laughs> wants to continue to be that. His his media day, Reggie's right. That media day picture is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Um, it's going to live in infamy with him forever. Uh, but he wanted that. He wanted the Dennis Rodman. Like, if you look, literally every piercing was Rodman. He painted his nails black like Rodman. Like, he was going for an emo Rodman type of look. Hey, you pulled it off. It worked. You had the lip ring, the nose ring. You did all the eye piercing stuff. Ridiculous. But. This is what today's sport is about. It's about NIL, you know, money, putting myself out there, letting people know who I am even more, which people already know who he is. But, hey, show your range. Show you can be emo. Show that you don't. You can listen to Taylor Swift songs in the dark. Like, I think that's what he was trying to let people know. Like, if you have a breakup, be like Jimmy Butler. But other than that, he's a great basketball player. It's going to be fun to see him and Anthony Edwards because I know they had a little beef before. Um, and not like bad beef, but just like on the court type stuff. Like, hey, like I, I'm filling in the role. Like, I'm not, you know. I'm not going to back down all your BS. And if you want to be a bully, I can be a bully too. So I think it's going to be a fun game. Jack, final thoughts on this. Ron, that was an odd call out. You listening to Taylor Swift in the dark? <laughs> that came to your mind pretty quick there. Um, no, but, that's, what, but, that's what somebody told me. They said if Travis Kelsey actually marries Taylor Swift, her music career is over because she can't be sad anymore. So I was like, oh, that's an odd way to look at it. But I guess I've never heard a song well, yes, I have, but I didn't know they were Taylor Swift songs. But I've never just go to a new level. She hasn't <laughs> been divorced yet, I don't think. 
Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Kelsey but is no, going to be the subject of the most savage breakup album in history. And, and like crazy. Brittany Mahomes is going to be in the song. Yeah, it's going to be Jackson Mahomes. It's going to be terrible. Um, yeah, but I, I love every part of this Jimmy Butler thing. Um, the, the like the at least like the Timberwolves and, and Jimmy part of it. Like the NBA needs more like unfiltered just hate between two parties. Um, like Timberwolves fans at, at large, I think mostly like hate Jimmy Butler more because of what he's done since he left Minnesota than because of how he left Minnesota. I think like I think most Timberwolves fans probably appreciate the comedic, you know, aspect of of, of his exit. Like Jeff Teague telling stories on podcasts about what happened, like his his career arc into like this comedy podcaster is hilarious, by the way, but. With Jimmy, I, I just think he, he finds a way to make games that wouldn't otherwise matter really interesting by, by doing stuff like this. And I and I think it, it's fun for fans. It's fun for him, I would assume. It's fun for his teammates to be in that environment. Um, like you remember the Trey Young, you know, Knicks thing where, you know, he had the whole entire garden training, chanting F Ch- chanting F Trey Young like the NBA needs more of this and good on Jimmy Butler for creating it and sustaining it and um you know hopefully it gives birth to some more you know villain arcs that that we need across the league but I love all of it Saturday is going to be a madhouse I can't wait for all the chance and and I mean the last time Jimmy Butler came to town with the heat Anthony Edwards uh Put his nuts in Gabe Vincent's face, so um, you know. Hopefully, we that. get. Hopefully, Did we it, get is that the that. one that didn't count, or is that the yeah, one that, that got called off? So. Yeah, and it was uh, a ball. It was a ball snatch from Jimmy Butler. Like that's what I think started it. Because yeah, Butler and Jimmy Butler was like yeah. trying to trying to like fight Ant, and yeah, and, and then, after the game was like he don't yeah. want no smoke. And so, then I later mean, he dunked on he dunked on dude, and then looked over it because Jimmy Butler wasn't in the play, but he looked over at him. So yeah, maybe he'll catch Jimmy Butler slipping. Um, that's a great conversation on that guys. We're up against the clock, but I do want to squeeze this in 20 seconds each Reggie final win total prediction and seed. Give it to me. What did I say? Like, uh, I think I said they were four, a four, a four seed. So I think you did. Yep. Yeah. So I'll stick with that. I'm not really sure what the win total would be to get them there though. Yeah, and who knows? Who knows what, what's going to require to win the West this year? Uh, ben? I'm going to go 49 wins, and I'm going to go the three seed. I think I think the number one seed in the West is only around 52 wins this year. Just It's so compressed. I think last year the Nuggets had 53, and we're the one seed. So I think it's compressed. I think the Wolves are an easy over. I think they win 49 and finish third in the West. Mm, Ron? Yeah, he's right. Uh, when you look at the West last year, it was 53 wins for the Nuggets, 51 for the Grizzlies, 48 wins got third. I was sitting around the 45 win mark, which was the Suns at four or five. So I'm going to say a five seed with 45 wins. But I do think the West is going to cannibalize each other when you look at, you know, the Lakers are on a, they're trying to get back to beat the Wolves, but they're not going to do it. Jack? 52 win, two seed. Ooh. Woo. 52 They've got zero excuse not to win 50 games. Now, I also was bullish. I had 50 wins. I looked the last five years. 50 wins gets you anywhere from the two seed to the six seed based on how top-heavy the West is. I tend to think it's not very top-heavy. I think it's pretty deep. So, again, cannibalizing. I think they get a three seed with 50 wins. If the Wolves were in the East, they would have 53 wins easy. 
I think that's fair look as well. The the East. And they East play so three Eastern Conference teams this week. We'll see what record they have when we meet again next week on the Minnesota Basketball Party. Reggie Wilson, Ben Beacon, Ron Johnson, Jack Borman. Enjoy the game tonight. I'm Sam Ekstrom. Check out the Wolves postcast after the game with Jack and our guy Luke Inman here on the Locked on Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. Thank you so much for watching and listening on the Locked on Wolves audio feed. We'll talk to you next time.